the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. We're only a couple of days into spring training. Some players starting to get some looks. Is it already just a one-man race for the fifth spot in the starting rotation? I'm Steve Zinsmeister with Cody Fincher on the Ain't No Fang podcast with an extra emphasis today on the competition for that last spot in the starting rotation. We know the names. Dre Jameson, Tommy Henry, Ryan Nelson appear to be the biggest names. An off chance that Brandon Fought, a guy who spent minimal time in AAA last year, could work his way into the conversation. He's more likely to be a call-up midseason at some point. I know that most of these guys have only pitched like four innings at most. Most of them are two innings. But is it already just a one-man race? Yes. Yes, it is. Or are we just hoping it's a one-man race? No, it... Well, I think it's both because I... I think right now, I mean, yes, you you said it's it's super early. It's only been a couple weeks of them playing games, a week or so, week and a half. I can't I don't even know. But right now, the fifth spot is Dre Jameson's to lose right now. He's the only one. I mean, he's pitched, like you said, he's pitched four innings, but he hasn't given up a run at all. He is he's just Pitching really well right now. He's uh, in two games. He's pitched four innings, given up one hit, one hit, one walk, struck out three. Um, yeah. So uh, he's pitching super well right now in in early spring. I'll, I'll grant. I'll give you that. It's early, super. Early. It's early. But Ryan Nelson and Tommy Henry have kind of been getting hit around some hard contact. Um, against these guys. Let me look up Ryan, Nel- Ryan Nelson's number. Ryan Nelson, quick. two and two-thirds innings, eight hits, seven runs, yeah. only two strikeouts. That's an ERA of 23.63, a whip of 4.50. Again, yeah. only two and two-thirds innings, but he got rocked in his first couple of appearances. But you got to think, too, and by the way, Tommy Henry, four and a third innings pitched, a 12.46 ERA, six strikeouts, a whip of 2.08. It's the equivalent of a bad outing. Sure. Yeah. That's it's the right. yeah. equivalent of a bad yep. outing yep. for Tommy Henry. For Ryan Nelson, it's the equivalent of a horrible outing. <laughs> two <laughs> and, and two thirds is, I mean, you're, you're getting pulled way early. And you got to remember, too, like, the, they're not facing the A lineups of all these teams. No. So that is that a little more concerning? Maybe. But, again, it's spring training. It's early. A lot of these guys, I mean, yeah, Tommy Henry's pitched in two games. Ryan Nelson, I think, has pitched in three games off the top of my head. Um, Brandon Fott's getting his second start today. Um, So we'll see. But right now, Dre Jameson is pitching really well. But I'm trying not to fall into the, I'll call it the uh, J.B. Bukowskis spell. Remember that? Was that last year? Spring training, probably the last two. Well, remember there was that. I think it was last year's spring training where he was untouchable, and myself included. Everyone was calling for him to make the bullpen, and he didn't make the bullpen out of spring training. And everyone was like, "What are you doing?" Blah blah blah. And he ended up getting hurt or not pitching well, then getting hurt. Now he's not even on the roster anymore. Um, the same thing happened with. Uh, remember <laughs> Trace Thompson. Remember that spring training? Yeah, there was a time where we thought Trace Thompson might work his way into the center field. Starting center fielder, Victory. Trace Thompson. Because yeah. he was just mashing home runs in spring. He was. Um, so he had like five or six that year. Again, the, the coaches on the staff know what they're doing better than we do. But 
I think if you just look at the eye test right now, Dre Jameson, it, this is his spot to lose as of right now. A lot can change between now and the end of end of the month when spring training ends. But right now, I mean, he's got the stuff. We know that. He throws really hard. He He's pretty accurate as well. I mean, he can dot the corners with 99. Well, and we played that soundbite, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, of Tori Lovello saying that Brent Strom, the pitching coach, asked him in the offseason, we need more power. We need to bring in guys with who throw hard. We yeah. need power pitching. And they went and did that. Now, now you were never going to get the throws hard elite closer because those don't become sure. available in free agency. Right. But they got a bunch of guys like Carlos Vargas who throw hard. There's this and threw him into the bullpen. If that's the philosophy you want to go with and you want it to bleed over into your starting rotation, then Jameson's the guy. Yeah. There's this kid, by the way, Justin Martinez, out of the bullpen. He was pumping gas. He's throwing like 102. There can he, was can there, he aim it? There was a <laughs> is the question. There was a a, a a picture of the scoreboard at Camelback Ranch. The D backs were playing the Dodgers. And this, the radar gun on the scoreboard couldn't even put up three digits. It was. It said he threw a zero zero mile an hour fastball because he was throwing a hundred. He's not on the forty man, is he? I don't think so. I just saw the the MLB pipeline release the D backs top thirty prospects, and he's now number twenty one. So <laughs> he jumped way up. I, I don't know where like, he was before that, but where was this guy? Um, I was watching a TV broadcast the other day, and they were talking about him. You know, he was the darling of the fall league, so maybe oh. he emerged there too. But um, I don't think he is originally a D backs like draft a, a draftee or or whatnot. But I think they got him somewhere else. Roster. Um, I don't. Yeah, he is on the forty man. Oh, he is. Ooh. <laughs> well, he well, is at MLB dot com. Well. He is on the 40-man roster. It always kills me to see that people were Ooh. born in this century. Oh, is he a 2000s 2001. Kid? Oh! 2001. He was born the year the D-backs won the World Series. Wow. Wow. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. Explains Those how he, people don't exist. Explains how he throws so hard, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, He's so, 6'3", 180. I mean, this is a big kid. How, throws yeah. hard. Okay, so he's got a shot. If he can, if he can locate, he's Listen, got a shot. This bullpen is not good enough. It's open for, for business, anyone, baby. Be, yeah, it's not good enough for anyone to be out of the picture. No, you know what I mean. Um, if he outperforms guys like Vargas, guys like Juris Familia, Cole Solcer, uh, even to some degree, maybe Kyle Nelson. Even though I like Kyle Nelson a lot, we as haven't lefty. we haven't seen Kyle Nelson yet pitch. I if, think he's if been this injured? guy just comes in and lights it up and is throwing one hundred two for a month. I think yeah. maybe you'd give that guy a look. Speaking he doesn't of, have to have a big role. Speaking of the bullpen, uh, we got our first look at Mark Melanson yesterday. And how was that look? Uh, it wasn't good. Oh, it was, yeah. it was, he gave up th- uh, three runs, three runs on six hits in one inning yesterday. Not great. I saw someone tweet his cutter topped out at 89 point something miles per hour. Hmm. Where do you throw that guy? Where do you throw that guy in the bullpen? Well, like we talked about before, he was really good in save opportunities last year, so he has an argument to be the closer. He certainly has the experience to be the closer. It's part of the reason they signed him last year, but he was atrocious in non-save opportunities. I feel like just, I know you can't manage a team based on perception. It would be a really tough sell. If Tori Lovello said Mark Melanson's the closer. 
Well, remember, Tori said that he's not going to name a closer by the end of spring training. He shouldn't. Honestly, so they'll go he into shouldn't the season do that. with either a committee or they'll have like remember when Archie Bradley became the closer, but they refused to say he right. was the closer, even though he, he was, was getting all the same ninth inning when they had a lead. Yeah. Right. Right. So like is that what we're he, gonna see? Where he, he'll roll out Miguel Castro in the ninth inning every time and be like, but he's not the closer. Yeah. He's looked really good, by the way, in spring training. Scott McGuff has looked really good. Um, so those he hasn't are struck anybody guys. out, I don't think. McGuff? No, he yeah. has not. Each I, of these guys has thrown like two innings. Right. But uh, Castro has. Castro struck out <laughs> some, and he needs to. That's yeah. his game, you know? But I don't think McGuff has struck anybody out, if I remember right. But that's not a huge concern. That's going to come with time. Um, if that's our conversation circling around the pitching, I think there's a conversation to be had around the hitting, too, because with the pitching, and I'll go back to that for just a second. The guys that we've seen the most of, the most innings, are the guys that are fighting for that fifth rotation spot. Tommy Henry has the most innings at four and a third. Right. Drake Jameson has four. Those guys are going to get opportunities, especially early, because they're trying to figure out that part of the roster. And we haven't we haven't even seen Madison Bumgarner or Zach Gallen yet. Right. So the equivalent on the offensive side of the ball is how many at bats are people getting? And I think some people might be surprised to see that Paven Smith, who I think is on the bubble of making the roster on opening day, he has the most at-bats, or is tied for the most at-bats at least, on this team. I don't know if that's going to surprise some people, because you and I have talked about where does he fit, right? As an outfielder, he was a poor defensive outfielder. He really can only play the corner, so he gives no value to you in center field. He's a left-handed hitter, which... Everybody else in this they outfield already, already does. So many. He's not fast, which all of them are. He's not a power hitter. He's probably good for maybe 10 to 15 home runs at most in a full season of work if he was a full time player. He's a backup first baseman, but you have a first baseman in Christian Walker who not only was third in Major League Baseball in war last year, third. Really? Third. I did not know that. Third. Wow. In Major League Baseball in war because of his because of his defense, sure. too. Yeah. And that guy played 160 games. He doesn't miss games. Now, even if he plays 20 less games and plays 140, are you really putting Paven Smith on the roster to play 20 games as a backup first baseman? Well, and here's the thing. Is he going to DH? Here's the the problem. Yeah, he's leading at-bats in spring training. He's leading in... He's not leading in average, but he's close. I think he's hitting Um, 385, if I remember right. But when when you look at it, though... Where where does he play? Like you're saying, are they really going to keep Paven Smith, give him a roster spot to play 20 games? Like you're saying, 20, maybe 25 starts at first base. And let's say they work in another 10 at DH. Or and maybe one here or there in the outfield bar, you know, an injury or whatever. I guess. Let's just say everyone's healthy. Are they really going to give Paven Smith a roster spot when... And you're talking about DH too. When they have Evan Longoria, when they have Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who needs at bats somewhere, Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis. We haven't seen him yet in spring. I think he's been dealing with some health issue or injury. I think issue. I saw he's going to debut this week. So two catchers. Yeah, one of them could DH here and there. There's Kelly and Moreno. Um, Tell Marte's going to need some DH so days if you're going to keep him healthy. I just don't think there is. I don't think there's room for Paven Smith on the on the on the roster on the 26 man roster because yeah 
I don't think they would just keep him to be a backup first baseman and some handful of at bats at DH because can't see it because what you're going to do is you're going to DH either Longoria or Guriel depend like a left handed a left against a lefty so a lefty you will probably have Guriel playing left field and Longoria DHing or playing third depending on where Rojas is at Kyle Lewis probably works Kyle his way Lewis in there. can. DH. Now you don't have to go all righties, and but in theory you won't because you have two two thirds of your outfield. And will be for lefty. backup first base, they can just put Guriel over there or or Longoria or in a Longoria pinch. in a pinch. Exactly. Um. So I, I just I just don't think there's room for Paven Smith. Can I game theory this out for a second? Because you and I last year at the trade deadline we wrote a bunch of articles about here are some some possible trades that maybe could happen. Now you and I focus more on what the D-backs were getting in return, but if you go back and look at what we were offering up in those trades, they, you know, it's trades from your depth and they ended up even kind of doing that in Dalton Varsho getting traded for a catcher and and Guriel. Mm -hmm. But we always talked about their outfield depth, Dominic Canzone, Dominic uh, Fletcher. Fletcher, uh, At the time they had Stone Garrett, who was kind of making an appearance in the major leagues. He's gone now, but Paven Smith. There's other guys I haven't even listed yet. Uh, Wildred Patino is in that mix as well. Uh, Christian Robinson making an appearance at spring training. Drew Jones. Drew Jones. So you have a ton of outfielders, and if Paven Smith works his way into that conversation, could they be giving him a lot of at-bats now in hopes that he impresses another team enough to come and get him? I think that's... I think that's a good thought. I not think that I think you're going to get much I think that's a possibility, but I mean, if he's not, if he doesn't have a spot on your team, you would just be keeping him in case there's an injury, right? Yeah, he would be a triple A holdover. Exactly. He'd be, he would be. How many options does he have? Left? Who is the, who is the pitcher that they always kept uh, bringing up and down? Um, Dominic Leone. No. Oh, no. Uh, Silvino Bracho. Yes. He would be. Silvino Bracho. Uh, yeah, Every he, five days, he he'd would be down be and up. The Silvino Bracho of outfielders, where he would just be coming up for an injury or something like that. And I don't know if they want to do that with Paven Smith. I mean, he, I don't know what you would get for Paven Smith. Um, Not you, much. You'd probably but... get. A low-level prospect, maybe, for Paven Smith. But could he be in a package where you're, you're packaging a handful of prospects? He wouldn't be the best one, but, you he, know. So, in a handful of prospects deal like that, he would he would be the piece that would be like, okay, he's the, he's the closest to being Major League ready. That's what he would be. If you are trying to package him with maybe some of your pitching depth... In your lower minor leagues, like a Slade Ciccone or a Bryce Jarvis or something like that, maybe uh, maybe you get something for that, but I don't know. I, I just don't think that they're going to solely keep him on the roster to just be backup first base. That seems like a waste of a roster spot. Really when, you, when you already have guys that can play first base when Christian Walker's not playing first base. Like you said, Christian Walker played a hundred. He only missed two games last year. Yeah. He played a hundred and sixty games. I don't want him doing that again, by the way. But. Well, I don't think that will. That's very. That's hard to duplicate Christian Walker is also your really your primary power hitter there's not a lot of power in the lineup there's not there's not um 
if Cattell Marte is healthy for a whole season, he can probably run into 25 home runs, but um, we've seen him do that before. But yeah, Christian Walker, take him out of the lineup. Where are your home runs coming from? I don't know. But yeah. so I, I, I don't, I just don't think that Paven Smith has a, has a spot right now. I think, and people, I've seen people on Twitter say, well, well, Kyle Lewis shouldn't have a spot because he only or shouldn't have a guaranteed spot. I should say, because he, you know, he only hit a, what a buck 43 last year. Um, he's injured, but I think they would want to see what Kyle Lewis has first because they did. I mean, not like they traded um, a top level per, uh, player for him. They got him for Cooper Hummel straight up. But I mean, we're talking about three years ago where Kyle Lewis, I know it was in the 2020 short season, but Kyle Lewis was the rookie of the year in the American League. So um, I think he's I think he's got high upside, but we'll see what happens. But if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And that's where maybe Paven Smith falls back into play. But it's unfortunate for a guy like Paven Smith because the the thing he's got working against him most is that he's left-handed. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we have, they have so many left-handed hitters, so many left-handed hitters, McCarthy, Thomas, Carroll, uh, Rojas, uh, just 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 those Marte's guys. A switch Marte's hitter. a switch hitter, so he. I mean, technically, he can be left-handed, but so there's so many, and the fact that Paven Smith was kind of relegated to just being a corner outfield really hurt that he never really developed as the first baseman. So. I feel like they tried to develop Varsho and Smith into outfielders, and it worked it on worked one of them, and not the other yeah. one. And I think you have to be okay with that. Yeah, it worked with Varsho, definitely worked with Varsho, but it didn't really work for Paven Smith. If I'm reading roster resource correctly, Paven Smith has two options left, so they he can be that guy, like you mentioned, that you put in AAA and then you pull him up when you need him. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of Rule 5 guys. Dominic Canzone, Rule 5 player. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Wildred Patino, Rule Five guy. So there's going to be a handful of dudes that you probably can't just shuffle back and forth as right. consistently as you might want to. Right. Um, let's have a quick conversation about some of the rule changes. <laughs> the pitch clock has been very interesting. Yes. Lots of violations. Uh, some players like you know Max Scherzer trying to use it to his advantage and trying to Max, quick pitch Max guys. Wood. Max he would. Wood. And you know what? If there's a new rule, you should try to find a way to use Max it to Scherzer your advantage. Max Scherzer literally having the pitch comm device on his glove calling his own pitchers. I know what I want to throw. I, yeah, that's, I'm a 38-year-old veteran. I know what I want to throw. Right. It's kind of bizarre, but like, at the same time, I'm like, I think I'd trust yeah. him more than any catcher so, he's going to have. The pitch clock, um, I'm not going to say I hate it. Um because I don't hate it. It's going to shave some minutes off the game. It will. I just... Already is. So the, the problem with the pitch clock this spring is that, one, everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Because it's new, and it's different, and it's right. weird for baseball. And all these old talking heads of baseball are like, I hate the pitch clock. I want to be able to do this and that and step off and have a nine-minute at-bat. You know, whatever. Um, And which you still can if there's a lot of foul balls. But... um. I'm not going to say I hate it yet because I think there's still so much to be tweaked and worked out. You like you you can't have an ending like I can't remember who were the Red Sox were playing, Philly maybe, where the game ended in a tie because with the bases loaded, a 3-2 count, two outs in the bottom of the ninth, the batter didn't step into the batter's box with 8 seconds left on the clock or within 8 seconds. Yeah. So he was called out. 
He was given an automatic strike three and the game ended. Of course, we won't ever see a game end in a tie, but the game ended that way. And I'm like, what? you can't have, let's say you can't have game seven of the World Series ending on a pitch clock violation. We'll see what they do with the playoffs. Maybe they just get rid of it for the playoffs. But I, th- I feel like baseball is the sport where when you get to the playoffs, all the rules are well, well, they, completely they, different. They get rid of the runner on second and extras. They get rid yeah, of it in the it's playoffs. It's like the purest form. Right. I'm putting that in air right. quotes. The purest they form of the sport the, is playoffs. They want the regular season to go by as fast as possible, but the playoffs are anyone's right. any, any fair game. We want to go home so in June. <laughs> I think I think once the pitch clock you'll know when the pitch clock is working because you won't hear anyone talking about it. Right. Um and we'll get there. And umpires have been told this spring to really be strict on it so these players get used to it. Um we saw uh, in a, I forget who the D-backs were playing, the Cubs I think. Uh we saw a, a, a an at bat start in a 1-1 count. Because, rules. because Joe Mantiply didn't throw his last warm-up pitch with 30 seconds on the between-inning clock because Carson Kelly made the last out the previous inning and was late getting out to the, the field because he had to get his gear back So on. now your catcher's on the clock. Right. The catcher, the rule is the catcher has to be in his area, standing or crouched, I think, it, with eight seconds left on the clock. And so the batter also has to be in the box. So... I'll bet you, and the batter has to be facing the pitcher, ready to hit. I'll he bet can't you be looking future, down and tapping the ba- the the base or anything. This is way in the future, but I'll bet you that eventually we get to the point where catchers, uh, to save time, they just like step into a contraption like Iron Man suit, and it just puts it on for you all the gear. That would be awesome. I'm just by saying, the way. that would be so. Let's cool. put it on the field so that the fans can watch. I feel like that would be a cool thing. <laughs> anyway, I just um, came up with a whole new yeah, that's concept. Great. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, contact Tony Stark about that. Let's talk about the shift uh, because I feel like teams are doing a pretty good job of following the rules yeah. of not shifting in your infield. There's still like you still see guy like shading their infielders one way or another. Sure. The and that's fine. The Boston Red Sox might have found a loophole though because they, they didn't find it. Everyone knew you could have done this, but they were the first ones to do it. At right. least that we've seen. They put poor Joey Gallo. <laughs> Everyone was like, Joey Gallo's comeback season is 2023 because the shift is over. The Boston Red Sox went with a two man outfield, bringing, I think, their left fielder over into short right field to play the hole. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay. And this is how I actually feel. Why do we have to feel bad for Joey Gallo? I don't feel or bad Cody for Joey Bellinger Gallo. or any lefty that, <laughs> you know, Telez or any of the guys that you know they're hitting it to the right side of the field. This is what they think of you. They think so poorly of your ability to hit a baseball that they gave you half of the outfield completely open. Right. And, and said, you're still going to hit we it We feel there. confident you're never going to hit the ball there. Yep. So we're going to take that player. It's like watching a football game and you're playing the Bears <laughs> and you say, we're so confident you can't run to the right that we're going to put all 11 of our defenders on the left. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. that's and if you're the Bears, run the other way. We're so confident you can't throw the ball that we're not going to cover your receivers. And if you can't do it, you shouldn't be a major league baseball player. Right. And you'd think some of these guys baseball is all about adjustments on pretty much everything. Pitchers much. have to adjust, hitters have to adjust, yep. mid at bat. But it's become so weird with these and there's not, I feel like, not a lot of them. Like, there's no really like David Ortiz is left. Joey Gallo might be the last, like, I'm only hitting it to, I'm only pulling the ball type of guy. 
There's some other David guys. David Ortiz had some oppo he did. ability. I mean, David Ortiz is one of the best hitters of our time. But, like, the thing with Joey Gallo specifically, I don't mean to pick on the guy. The dude doesn't make contact anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. he was always the, I'm going to hit 30 bombs a year and hit 205. Because every time I hit the ball, it's going over the fence. But and it's going over the right field fence. It's not going anywhere else. So that's I mean, the fact that he's never adjusted is kind of his own fault, you know? Um uh I think it's good though that they're not shifting infields anymore. Yeah. I'm open fine. to uh, listen, I don't want to hey. sound like the old curmudgeon guy. That's not how I feel. I just feel like if they're gonna give you half the outfield and move an outfielder literally to an infield position, you should be able to and adjust. If a team wants to get rid of a whole outfielder and move him over there and it burns them, then Tough luck. Right. Sorry. Yeah, that's what you should get. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I hope we don't see like, well, now all your outfielders have to be in the this region, this region, and this region when the at bat starts. And ugh, did you see it's the one all game? about it's this whole thing? The shift it was always, I think, I, I never had a problem with the shift. I don't have a problem with it being banned, but like. It's they're just trying to make so much more offense happen. Yeah, and it's just kind of stupid to me. Oh, I like I like trying to make more offense happen. I like that, but I have no problem with them shifting outfield. I mean, it's it's not against the rules. So no, it's not. If you want not do against that, the rules. If you want to leave half the outfield open, cool. Yeah, but and then when the guy hits it there, if the guy hits it there ever, then you know you're accountable for that. Yeah, it's probably an automatic. It's triple. just like the Philadelphia Eagles. I've heard this a lot lately. Their quarterback sneak where they have like two guys run up and push Jalen Hurts forward yeah. is not illegal, but everyone no. hates that they do it. Sure. But you can't fault the Eagles because it's not against the rules. No, and how many times in the Super Bowl did they need a yard and they got four? Yeah. Apparently like that four or five apparently times I saw that's it. a rule they're thinking of banning for next yeah, year. Yeah, because they're too good at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A team gets too good at something, you gotta ban it, right? Yep. You gotta adjust, I guess. Did you see the one game where uh they decided to play the bottom of the night? Yes. They didn't need to and the umpires left. Um I can get on board with all of that. No umpires. <laughs> no umpires at no all. No supervision, kinda like this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I want I could get so on board with no umpires. That was awesome, by the way. They're like, Well, we got our full days in. See ya. All right, we're gonna be keeping our eyes on all the rule changes as well as some of these competitions going on towards the bottom of the roster for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast this week. For Cody Fincher, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. It is the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.